Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Mm-mm-mm. Somebody say seeds. We're going to talk about planting your life in what matters most. I got a bucket of seeds up here. I got a flannel shirt on. I just feel strong wearing flannel. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the power of the seed in this series. Oh, and I'm making a mess. You know, the the Bible, yeah, I am. Somebody got to sweep this up. Uh, (laughs) You know, the Bible, when it was written, and in the days of of Christ, it was very agrarian. And so some of the the, the language of the scriptures is like farming. It's it's about plowing and planting, and you've heard of sowing and reaping, and and how those things translate to us today. We're going to unpack that over the next several weeks. Um, What I love about you as a people, what I love about our church, when I think about farming, when I think about working the soil, it takes hard work. How many of you know you don't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole in the ground to form? You, you got to put that shovel to work. And uh, I don't know a lot about farming, but I'm thankful for our farmers. How many of you plan on eating something today? Come on, somebody. God bless all the farmers. And, um, but, you know, there's a lot for us to learn in their example and in the scriptures. You know, farming is about understanding the power of the seed. And I think there's tremendous potential. Every seed, each one of these seeds have, has tremendous potential. You know, and I want you to see how this translates into everyday life. Do you know that every thought you have is a seed? Some, whatever you're thinking right now, and some of you are thinking, man, that dude looks crazy in that outfit. Uh, whatever you're thinking right now, that thought, that little deposit in your mind is a seed. You know, thoughts produce words. Words produce actions. Come on. Actions create habits. Are you with me? Do you see where we're going here? Thoughts produce, they harvest something. Words, words harvest actions. Actions build habits. Habits develop character. Your character will direct your lifestyle and your lifestyle will determine your destiny. And that all starts with the power of a little seed. Can I have a good amen? If you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew, and I want to frame this entire message around one single verse in Scripture, and it's a popular verse. Some of you, you probably have this verse memorized. Some of you may have this highlighted in your Bible, or you may have it posted on a plaque somewhere on your wall at, at, at your home, or maybe it's, it's posted somewhere in your workspace at your office. But this verse is going to serve as a seed, and I want to tell you just a little bit about sowing and reaping, and, and you know this by nature, but you know this by spirit, that you reap what you sow. How many of you know you can't put corn in the ground and expect to harvest tomatoes? That what goes in the ground is going to produce of its kind. You reap what you sow. But know this, you reap after you sow. You cannot expect a harvest if you're not willing to plant seed. Come on, talk to me. I just believe that your presence here today, some of you watching here online, you know, your commitment to be a part of church on a Sunday is a decision. That's a seed that you're putting in good ground. 
And I believe that once you give that seed a little time, that you're going to see something result from it. You reap what you sow. You reap after you sow, but you always reap more than you sow. Are you with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm ready to learn today. Come on. We may not be farmers, but we're going to walk away with something fresh. Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 33. This one single verse, and I want to break it down into three components. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's, he's speaking what's called the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, one of his famous messages. And he says these words. He says, but seek first. Come on, somebody say first. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? This is a great verse to memorize. I don't know if you do that in your family. In fact, I had a little girl stop me this morning before the eight o'clock service. She wasn't but this tall. And she said, Pastor, I've got a scripture I've been working on all week and I want to quote it to you. And her mom said, she's going to do this every week. Every week she comes to church, she's going to quote a mess, a, a verse to her pastor. How many of you are impressed already? Yeah, this is a great verse to commit to memory. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. If you're taking notes, write down this word. Write down the word priorities. Priorities. Somebody say priorities. Jesus says seek first. There's a lot of things we can look for, but look first. What is your first pursuit? Uh, you know, you can tell a lot about a person. You can tell what's important to a person by how they spend their time, how they spend their money, how they spend their energy. What are the priorities of your life? What are the things that are most important to you? How many of you know sometimes we can come up with a priority list, but our life doesn't always match our list? We say, well, these things are important, but if you look at our schedule, if you look at our checkbook, if you look at, at how we spend our energy, maybe the, the lifestyle doesn't necessarily match the list. Jesus is telling his disciples, seek first. In other words, be people of priority. Can I tell you this? You can either live your life by your pressures or you can live them by your priorities. You see, the devil wants you to live by your pressure. Oh, what's urgent instead of what's important. Some of us live from crisis to crisis or emergency to emergency. You know, we go throughout our day and we're thinking, man, what did I accomplish? And the enemy wants us to run around with our hair on fire. But God says, be a people of priority. It reminds me of a story I heard recently. A man had two tickets to the Super Bowl right on the 50-yard line. Two tickets, two seats, 50-yard line at the Super Bowl. Another man came down and asked if anyone was sitting next to him because he noticed that the seat was empty. So the guy says, no, no this seat is empty. So the, the second man said, well, wow, that, that's incredible. I mean, who in their right mind would leave a seat like this open? This is the Super Bowl. Who's going to have a seat and not use it? Well, the first man said, actually, this seat belongs to me. I, I was supposed to come with my wife, but she passed away. It's the first Super Bowl we haven't been together since we got married in 1987. The man said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. That's terrible. But surely you could find somebody to occupy the seat, a family member, a friend, a neighbor. 
The man said, no, they're all at the funeral. <laughs> Somebody say priorities. Yeah, that, <laughs> that guy better not be going home anytime soon. <laughs> when it comes to what we seek, God says, seek first the kingdom. I want you to know this. When it comes to priorities, God must be first. God's got to be first. Do you know this whole book is built on the basis of God being first? When God is not first, your life is a mess. How many of you know that to be true? You don't have to, to study it. You've already lived it. Yeah, when, when something other than God is your priority, you set yourself up for a mess. But when God is first, your life is blessed. Remember the Ten Commandments? How many members of the Ten Commandments? So important that God wrote it in stone. What's the first of the Ten Commandments? God says, you shall have no other gods before me. What's he say? Put me first in your life. Your thoughts, your pursuits, your priorities, your passions. Put me first. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy other things. Hey, enjoy hunting and fishing and shopping and pedicure. Enjoy all those things, but don't put them above God. Give God that first place in your life. When you put him first, the first has the opportunity to bless the rest. Are you with me? When God is first, the rest is blessed. You know, Rachel and I, we, we've been married for 24 years. 24 years. I dated her for four years. That's 28 years we've been together. We got married when she was like 11. <laughs> and you know, at this stage in the game, I mean, there's no other girl on the planet that can take her place. She is Tops. How many thinks it would be a bad day if I were to come home and say, babe, I love you so much, you're number two? I mean, hey, don't get mad, babe. I mean, there's like three billion women on the planet. You're number two. That's a pretty, you're in the top percentile. You think she's going to appreciate that? How many know it's going to be hair, teeth, and eyeballs? Come on, somebody. I'm going to the hospital. Y'all better come visit me. No, 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 no. We're together, I've got that top spot, and God, he loves us so much. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want to compete for our attention. He wants to be first. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And we live in a culture that is constantly competing. Everything competes for your loyalty and for your allegiance. God must be first. We put God first by giving him the first of everything. We give him the first of everything. As a church, you know what we do at the first of the year in January? We take three weeks and we dedicate it. Prayer and fasting, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why do we do this? Because we want the year to be blessed. We give him three months or three weeks in, in January and that says, God, we're setting you first. Would you bless the rest of the year? You know what's interesting here? You know, today is Sunday. It's the first day of the week. It's our Sabbath. And so what do we do? We prioritize God's house. Come on, somebody. How many of you know that God's house is good soil? If you're going to sow seed, you got to put it in good ground. 
How many of you know I can take this bucket of seeds and just kind of sprinkle it all over the concrete and nothing's going to happen? But seeds have to find good soil. And if you plant yourself in God's house, this is good ground. I believe that supernatural things grow when seeds fall on good soil. Sunday, it's the first day of the week. We prioritize God and we put him first saying, Lord, bless the rest of the week. When we wake up in the morning and we get our cup of coffee, how many of you need some go juice in the morning? You get that cup of coffee, hopefully you're directing your thoughts toward the Lord. You're giving him the first part of your day, the first part of your week, the first part of your year, because the first has the potential to bless the rest. Are you catching this? Leviticus says, put God first in everything. Bring the tithe, that tithe, T-I-T-H-E. Not T-I-D-E, T-I-T-H-E. Yeah, one of the evangelists was preaching on the power of the tithe and had somebody mail in a tithe box because they'd heard we're supposed to give our tithe to the Lord. How many know God appreciates your laundry, but he wants to be Lord of your resources? That first 10%, we, we bring the first fruits of all of our increase. The first has the potential to bless the rest. God told his followers to seek first. Somebody say seek first. Now notice the second part here. He says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If you're taking notes, number two, write down the word surrender. Surrender. Not only is it about priorities, but it's about surrender seek first the kingdom now what is the kingdom of God how many know it's a little abstract sometimes that that concept we we use that phrase kingdom of God but what does it really mean it's hard to really understand that because we don't necessarily live in a kingdom we live in a democracy you know, and every, we express our voice and, and we vote. And so our, our form of government is different. Sometimes this language can be hard to relate to. But the kingdom of God is simply wherever the king reigns. The rule and reign of the king creates the kingdom. Let me put it in terms that may help us a little bit better. How many of you have kids and they argue over their space? How many remembers growing up as a kid and you're going on a long trip and you're seated in the back with your siblings and you mark off your territory? Anybody remember that? Oh yeah, what are we doing as kids? We are establishing our kingdom. Do not cross this line. Come on, how many's ever said that? Oh yeah, I have two sisters, okay? I have an older sister and a younger sister. Middle child syndrome. Any middle children out there? Oh yeah, so I'm the only boy. I'm in the middle. And so I would have to sit in the middle. We sat in order, oldest to youngest, and I'm seated in the middle. And so I'm having to mark out my space. Don't cross this line. And then you got a little yeah, yeah in the back. How many of you had siblings that if you marked out your space, they're going to invade it? Tell them not to do it, and that makes them want to do it more. And then so we're arguing in the back, and then dad threatens us. Do you want me to pull this car over? How many of you, your dad ever threatened to pull a car over? And you're thinking, dad, what are you, no, you're going 65 miles an hour. Well, whose kingdom do you think this is? This is my space, and don't cross this line, leave me alone. And so the yeah, yeah continues, and so guess what dad did? 
the claw. Come on, how many, how many have ever been swatted by the claw? He's driving down the road and he's, you know, but we were smart. We retreated to neutral corners. But dad had a way of bringing us back into play. He would tap the brakes. <laughs> Thy kingdom come. The Bible says we're supposed to pray for the return of the Lord and his coming kingdom. I didn't want to pray for the kingdom of God to come. Lord, this, I got to get old enough to get married. Please don't come back. I want to get married. Anybody ever prayed that? Lord, no, don't come back. I don't want your kingdom. I want to get married. And then I got married and it's like, well, Lord, I got to have kids. Please don't come back until I have kids. And then I start having kids. I'm like, even so, come Lord quickly. <laughs> Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Let me ask you this. How are you prioritizing the kingdom in your life? When it comes to your relationships, when it comes to your friendships, your family, your career, your pursuit, the kingdom is all about the authority, the rule, and the reign of God. You see, it's about prioritizing him and surrendering our own plans. He says, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, that word righteousness there in Matthew 6, it's a reference earlier in Matthew's gospel whenever Jesus was being baptized by John the Baptist. John was like, no, 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 I shouldn't baptize you. And Jesus said, yes, we must do this to fulfill all righteousness. What was Jesus saying? This is the will of God. You see, the righteousness is the will of God. Now, think about this. As your pastor, it's my heart that you walk in the fullness of God's will. I want you to know that you're in the perfect will of God. I want your life to be marked by priority and by kingdom purpose. And the only way that can happen is through surrender. How many of you know we can make plans, but the purposes of God will prevail? And sometimes we start out with our own plans and our own thoughts. And there's nothing wrong with making a plan. But just don't exalt your plan above God's purpose. Put your plans in pencil. Because God has a way of erasing your plans for a much greater purpose. Are you with me? You know, when I was a college pastor, I remember college students would come to me and the top two questions, you know what they would be? Mike, how did you know that Rachel was the one? How did you know that? And then how did you know that you were called to preach? Well, what are they asking me? Because they're thinking about their spouse. They're thinking about their future career. How did you know Rachel was the one? Well, the, honestly, that girl was chasing me like crazy. I kept running and running and just got tired. And I just said, okay. How many of you believe that? If you believe that, I got a piece of property. I got some farm acreage. I got a tractor. No, it didn't. It was actually the opposite. I chased that girl down, and I finally convinced her that I was her hunk of hunk of burning love. Now, she was slow, but she's worth waiting on. She got the revelation. You know, and I tell college kids this. I'd say, listen, if you just focus on being the right person, God will put you in the right place. See, a lot of times we're focused on the place, where we need to be, what we need to do, who we need to be with. And God's saying, no, 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 let me just simplify this for you. Surrender to my purposes and I will take care of the plan. How did you know that Rachel was the one? How did you know that you were called to preach? Well, I, honestly, God shut every other door. 
Man, I, it was by process of elimination. I never chose this. How many know sometimes you don't choose what you do? It chooses you. The call of God, you know. So, so when it comes to priorities, seek first, and then we got to surrender. Seeking and surrendering. This is huge. This is so important because when we surrender our plans to God's purposes, we find joy like never before. How many of you know the God who created you knows what's best for you? We don't inform him. We surrender to him. In fact, I want to tell you this. Surrendering does two things. Surrendering, first of all, it frees you up from having to figure everything out. How many of you sometimes it's paralysis by analysis? you got to have it all figured out. All of the debt, all of the dots have to be connected. You know, all of the blanks have to be filled in. Sometimes it's such a, a heavy burden to try to reason and figure everything out. I've had people come to me in such fear, and they think, well, well Mike, I'm going to miss God's will, and I'm going to ruin my life. If I miss God's will, if, if I don't marry the exact one that God, if I don't get the right job, if I, don't get the, if I, don't, if I make the wrong decision, and so they, they, they paralyze themselves with fear because they're afraid to miss God's will. Can I tell you something, church? God is too big to miss. His will is not some needle in a haystack that you're going to have to dig. And hopefully, one in a million, you get it right. If you seek him first and then you surrender your plans, the will of God will find you. How many know God will get you right where you need to be? So when we surrender, it frees us up from having to figure everything out. But also, surrendering will open you up to God's blessings like nothing else can. Some of you need to hear this word. Some of you right now are holding on to your life, your plans, your thoughts, and God's saying, give it to me. Give it to me. Some of you are wrestling with God over your future. God's saying, no, no, I created you. I know from beginning to end, every hair on your head, I know every detail of your life, give it to me. It's almost like if you're playing basketball and Michael Jordan is on your team, can I give you some advice? Don't shoot. If Jordan is on your team, give MJ the ball. You know why? <laughs> because he's better than you. Now, look, I know we got some people back in the day, all Americans, all district, all state, all world, and then the glory days. I get it. But if Jordan's on your team, just give him the ball. I promise you it's going to turn out well. Your team's going to win if you put the ball in his hands. Can I translate it to now this whole walk of faith? God is better than you. Give your life to him. Surrender to him. If you'll just release control and put it in his hands, I promise you will not lose. God has never lost a battle. Come on, somebody. God's never once fallen short. He's never once been in a panic or undecided of what to do in your life. He created you. He knows you. Trust him. Give him the ball. In fact, I want you to do this, and some of you are taking notes and you have notepads, put it off to the side. I want you to put your hands out in front of you like this, okay? This is how surrender works, all right? Put, put your hands out, and I want you to form fists with your hands. When we don't surrender, we go through life like this. 
We're clutching everything. Sometimes it's based out of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world. We don't know what's going to happen, you know, in in the future. And so we just, we, we live like this. Fear will cause you to live with your fist clenched. Here's the problem with that. When you hold on to your life, there's no way God can give you anything. How many know you can't receive anything from God like this? You can't. Now, may, you may hold on to, to what little you have and all of your fear and misery and, and your, all your limitations. You'll hold on to it. But guess what? If you'll live life like this, open, your, open the palms of your hands up like this. Now, this is a little vulnerable, isn't it? Isn't it? it it's a little scary. You, Mike, you mean to tell me i got to go through life like this? What if somebody takes what I have? I can't hold on to what I've got. Listen, when you live life like this, you open up God's hands to be able to put something into yours. God can't put anything in, in this. But God, and I promise you, what's in his hands, it's bigger and better than what's in yours. Come on, do you believe that? Come on, put your hands to ten strings today. This is a little vulnerable. It takes faith to live this way. But you know what? Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 16, verse 19, he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. In other words, if you're stingy on earth, why would God be generous in heaven? If you're going to hold on to it, why would God release it? Come on, somebody. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, but whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I promise you that what's up there is sufficient to take care of what's down here. And when we surrender, everybody take a deep breath. (sighs) Guess what? The burden of having to figure everything out is lifted off of you. Well, what are you going to do with your life? Sometimes I talk to uh, young professionals and and people ask them, okay, well, well, what what are you going to do after school? It puts a little pressure. I, I, I don't know. You see, everybody expects an answer. Listen, you don't have to be an expert. You just have to trust the expert. What are you doing? I'm just, I'm trusting the Lord. I'm just taking it one step at a time. Come on, somebody say priorities. Say surrender. You see, God, when you surrender, God's will will be accomplished in your life. I want to say this real quickly because I see Nolan and Dee here. Is it okay if I make reference to our little conversation this week? This is such a God thing. This will show you how the will of God works. On Wednesday morning, I do a Bible study in Baton Rouge at a local business. And so I showed up early, and I'm just sitting in my car, and I'm praying, and I'm studying. And God dropped Nolan and Dee in my spirit. Thinking about them, I hadn't seen them or talked to them in two years years. They, they had lived here and then took a job in Austin, Texas. And so, I mean, I just, they came up in my spirit. And so I sent Nolan a text. Hey man, thinking of you today, man, please give our love to Miss D. We miss y'all so much. Okay. So that, that was Wednesday. The next day, Nolan and I talked on the phone. He said, pastor, you're not going to believe this. How many know God does the unbelievable? And some of you are looking for confirmation, okay? And this is how it works. The Lord had been stirring in them. She had some changes at her work, and her job situation had changed. She, they had a desire to come back home. They said, Lord, we just want to come back home. We, we miss Baton Rouge. We miss our church. Lord, would you just give us a sign? A sign. Two years I hadn't said a word to Nolan, and out of the blue, I had texted him that morning, hey, we sure miss you at HPC. So he calls me up. We're having this conversation. I'm telling you, it was like revival. I heard Dee shouting in the background, man. 
We were fixing to do a Holy Ghost dance right there. They said, we're packing up the truck and we're coming home. Come on, somebody. God's will is too big to miss if you seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness. Come on, are you with me? Now, let's wrap this up. Let me finish this. Number one, priorities. Number two, surrender. Number three, write down the word increase. Somebody say increase. Jesus finishes by saying, all these things shall be added. Come on, somebody. All these things, not some of them or most of them. God's saying, everything that concerns you, I'm going to take care of. If we seek, God adds. You know the challenge is? Too many of us are trying to add, and we're not even seeking God. But if we seek God first, Lord, your priority, your first in everything. God, I surrender my plans to your purposes. God says, you know what? I'm going to add to you. Do, do you want increase in your life? You say, Mike, how can I have increase in so much uncertainty? Seek him first and his righteousness. And all. I don't have to worry about all these things. You know why? Because God is adding all those things to me. You know, as, as we talk about this, this series, Seeds, you know, as a church, we've got some big things we're believing God for in our future, just like you are. But, you know, we can't expect a harvest if we're not willing to plant the seeds. Last year at 320, and, and this is familiar language to most of you. If you're new here, uh, you, you'll know. In December, at the end of the year, we receive what's called the 320 offering. That's kind of a over and above. It's a, it's a a seed that we're planting now for a harvest we're believing for in our future. I'm telling you, you got to plant now so you can harvest later. And so last year, many of you participated in that 320 offering. And you know, we've been talking about Ascension Parish and believing God for a space and a place in Ascension. I believe God wants us to, to launch a healing place, Ascension Campus. Well, we were able, through your generosity and through God's faithfulness, we were able to, several months ago, purchase a piece of property in Ascension Parish on Airline Highway right in Gonzales. In fact, I want you to show this, show some of this footage. 8.7 acres right in the heart of Ascension Parish. I mean, it's, it's the perfect, look at that. 28,000 cars pass that property every single day. 28,000 cars. There's Elegant, uh, Elegant Affairs. It's right across the street from Ralph Sellers Dodge. I mean, it's almost nine acres. Look at that footprint. And I believe from that space, we're going to be able to reach into Gonzales, Sorrento, Prairieville, Galvez, Dutchtown, St. Gabriel. That location is the perfect hub. They told us that the parish is growing like crazy. Every year, 300 more students in the school system. That's why schools are going up. Neighborhoods are going up. You know, we bought this property in the middle. I want you to listen to this. In the middle of a pandemic. In the middle. In a season of restriction and, and a, a lot of uncertainty and fear was glooming. We felt God said, go ahead and purchase that piece of property. Wait a second now. That's unconventional wisdom. Cash is king. Hold on to your money. Listen, we paid for that in cash, debt-free because of your generosity and God's faithfulness. 
Almost like when God told Jeremiah in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, I want you to buy a, a, buy a piece of property. And Jeremiah's like, wait a second, we're under exile. The Babylonians are going to take us and haul us away. I'll buy something I'll never see again. And God said, no, Jeremiah, buy it because that piece of property is going to be a promise that I'm going to bring you back. I believe this piece of property is a promise to our church that a harvest is coming. Seeds. Everybody wants a harvest. Somebody's got to be willing to plant some seeds. Guess what? We're, we're going to have to launch a camp. We've got to build that space out. We're going we're we're to build a sanctuary about probably 39,000 square feet. I believe we'll reach thousands of people from that place. Auditorium that will seat 800. We'll do multiple services, have over 400 parking spaces. We've got the footprint, the layout. We're making plans, but we're trusting God's purposes. You know, at Christmas this year, you know what we'll be able to do? Holiday outreach, one of the things we're going to do is we're going to give hundreds of bicycles away. 600 bikes. Do you know yesterday there were 60 men who assembled 600 bikes? 600. Now, we're going to give these bikes away to children who have been affected by the hurricanes that have hit our state. So these bikes are going to Lake Charles, they're going to DeRitter. They're going through that Southwest Corridor, churches and families that we've connected to, that you've served through disaster relief. Your giving in this offering on December the 6th is going to allow us not only to reach into Ascension Parish, but we're going to be able to bless hundreds of kids and their families all across this state. Come on, do you believe that? You know, I want to turn this over to Pastor Ryan because even at our Denham campus, I know the project that they're embracing is enlarging kids' space. They've got so many kids. I mean, it's just crazy. They need more room. How many of you know God does exceedingly abundantly above? Amen. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.